Hello, Cryptonaut, and welcome back to another episode of Cryptocurrency Chat. On this particular episode, we are talking with the Chief Marketing Officer, Christian Hasker, from Hedera Hashgraph. It was actually a really, really, really great episode that we had with him, uh, but my apologies because my audio, my audio, not his audio, my audio is actually muted for like the first eight minutes of this particular interview. But other than that, after about eight, nine minutes, everything is fixed and we are going forward talking about Hedera Hashgraph and everything that it can do. It's such an amazing, amazing piece of technology. If you haven't heard about Hedera Hashgraph, definitely check it out. So with that said, catch you all on the next one. Stack sets and huddle. Adios. I am doing great, John. Thank you very much for having me on. Really appreciate it. Great. You sound great. We all, I also have my co-host, Mike. Mike, you there? Hello. Awesome. So with that said, Christian, uh, my first thing that I like to do is ask my guests, what did they do before they got into crypto? So if you don't mind, who are you? You know, I always like to get into the personality, the person behind uh, the code behind the blockchain, behind the face, your experience. So go ahead. Who am I? Yes, that's uh, an existential question. Um, so I started out my career like way back when, actually as a teacher. So I taught uh, English and French and music at an international school. And uh, from there, at the height of the dot-com boom, uh, my wife, you can tell from my accent, I am not American. I am from England. Uh, my wife is from just outside of San Francisco. So we decided to move to San Francisco, and it was the height of the dot-com craze. So this was like 2000. And I was done teaching, and I wanted to get into technology. Everyone was into technology. And I got a job in uh, inside sales and really basic inside sales where you know, we were called cold call monkeys. We had a sheet of leads and we would just bash the phones all day long. And I was selling database optimization software and turned out to be pretty good at it. And um, that company made it through the dot-com bust which was pretty interesting experience. And um, we actually got acquired by a much larger technology company. And because I knew a lot about this database optimization software, I was actually recruited to go into product marketing. And that's how I started to get into marketing. From there, I was really in the database space for the rest of my uh, career and left 
um, that company to join a very hot startup that was commercializing the database that was um, invented and open sourced by Facebook to power their uh, inbox search functionality. That was a project called Apache Cassandra. And Apache Cassandra is a distributed database. And distributed databases and distributed ledgers have quite a bit in common. So that was a very hot startup and got a little bit burnt out there. Started up my own consulting company that was really focused on helping other open source uh, uh, software companies that were commercializing open source software, you know, helping them with messaging and go to market. And actually, a friend of mine who had worked at uh, DataStax, this open source uh, database software company, was helping the founders. Uh, it was before Hedera. It was, you know, Hashgraph at that time. And uh, they needed some help doing the initial launch messaging marketing of Hashgraph as a public network. And so I went over to help them with a view to just helping them launch and then going on my merry way. I really did not want to work at another startup again. I was pretty burnt out on it. But uh, Hashgraph and Hedera Hashgraph are so unique. The founders have such a compelling vision. And um, uh, Mance, who is the uh, co-founder and CEO, and Lehman, who's the co-founder and chief scientist, they asked me to come to Dallas, where they're based, and just talk with them about the possibility of joining full-time. I said to my wife, hey, I'll fly to Dallas. I'm no way going to do it. Don't worry. You know, um, I'm not going to get sucked into this. I came back. I was like, huh, I think I should think about this for a little while. And a month later, I said to Mance, okay, I'm in. And that was, uh, gosh, that was over three years ago now. And uh, I'm glad I said yes. It's been an interesting ride. So I head up marketing for Hedera. Uh, we have a small team at Hedera. And, um, you know, we have a lot of fun. It's been a crazy ride, and uh, don't regret a minute of it. Awesome. So, what, what's interesting, which I didn't know, is you worked on Hashgraph um, systems already before even Hedera existed, right? Correct. So, Hashgraph is a consensus algorithm that was invented by Dr. Lehman Baird, and to test the algorithm. They actually um, had some companies use it in a permissioned environment. And, um, you know, for example, a, a large credit union consortium used it as a private ledger. But the plan all along and the vision was to have Hashgraph underpin a public ledger. And Hashgraph is different from traditional blockchain technologies. We can get into some of those differences. Um, and the idea was to have you know, me come on and recruit a little team and really take the public ledger, the public network to market and grow that ecosystem. And, uh, yeah, it's been, been fun. Uh, some stable coins. What, what was the first trigger word that you heard? And that really 
So that company, yeah, that that company that I was at, um, uh, DataStacks, commercially commercializing Cassandra. Uh, there was a guy there. Uh, so I joined that company. I did some consulting for them in late 2011. I joined in 2012. In 2013, there was this guy, super smart engineer, um, and he was mining Bitcoin. And he was telling everyone about it. And we thought he was crazy. You know, it, you know during, during lunch in the cafe, he's like, oh, you've got to get into this <laughs> thing. It's, it's the next big thing. And we thought we were in the next big thing, right? We were big data. You know, that was a huge movement back then. And um, I remember being so dismissive of him, thinking he was crazy. Um, and, yeah, if I'd listened to him and started mining Bitcoin then, maybe, <laughs> maybe, <laughs> maybe things would be different. Hello, hello, hello. Looks good on my side. Huh. Yeah, I can hear you guys. Are you able to watch it uh, live on the YouTube channel? So once again, those that are watching live, let me know if the audio is working. My side looks fine. Yeah, I'm not getting the audio on YouTube. Another day in technology.
Uh, Dominic M is saying that uh, the interviewer, which I assume is you, John, is uh, very quiet. On my side. Okay. On the YouTube, yeah. But, but they, they can, seems like they can hear me. They can hear you. Okay. That's a good thing. We can hear Christian. Interviewer is very quiet. Yeah, actually. Okay, thank you. I just turned up on microphone. You should be able to hear me a lot better. I apologize for that. Um, let's continue on. So with that said, let's go ahead and start off talking about Hedera Hashgraph. Uh, Christian, go through a quick little summary of what Hedera Hashgraph is, and then we'll get into some nitty-gritty questions. Sure. So uh, Hedera Hashgraph is a public decentralized ledger, um, a DLT, uh, that is similar to blockchain in what it can do, but the underlying technology is very, very different. Um, so it is built on this hash graph consensus algorithm. So all blockchains and distributed ledger technologies, what they uh, all uh, have to do is you have a set of computers which have to come to consensus on the veracity, the validity, of transactions and in blockchain uh, how that works is you have these uh, computers which crunch algorithms and compete to solve a an algorithmic problem so that they can add a block to the chain and then that gets added to the chain and the losing uh, nodes those blocks just get discarded. So um, that is the way the blockchain technology works. With Hashgraph, um, what Lehman set out to solve was how can you come to consensus very, very quickly, but also not sacrifice either security or throughput? And you know, most blockchain technologies have to uh, have a trade-off, either for speed or for security. So he set out to solve this problem, and he came up with Hashgraph. So Hashgraph has two very unique properties. Uh, one is called gossip about gossip. Gossip is just a way that you communicate information very quickly among nodes. You know, if you're in a traditional um, office setting and you tell me a secret, you're like, hey, Christian, don't tell anyone. But then I tell Mike, you know, you can see how gossip really cascades through um, an office setting very, very quickly. Gossip in uh, gossip protocol in um, technology is the same way. You know, you tell one node something, they tell another node something, and it really um, escalates very rapidly until everyone knows what you know. So what Lehman came up with is instead of just gossiping the information, how about I also add a little bit of extra information? That is, I will also know who told me something, when they told me it, and who they learned it from. And with that information, you can build this hash graph. And the other property that it has is something called virtual voting. So if you know all the information that everyone else knows, then you also know how they would vote. 
And so you don't have to ask them for their vote because you know how they'll vote. And these two properties are huge breakthroughs and they allow Hashgraph, this consensus algorithm, to be incredibly fast, to be what we called asynchronous Byzantine fault tolerant, which is the highest form of security you can get in a distributed system. And it has this property, oh, I'm glad you're showing it on the screen for everyone, of fairness. So you can fairly order transactions, which is hard to do in a traditional blockchain system, because in a blockchain system, you can uh, pay more gas in order to have your transactions submitted to the block ahead of other people. In Hedera Hashgraph, you cannot do that. Everything is just ordered the way that the nodes come to consensus on the um, validity and the order of those transactions. So that is Hedera Hashgraph on the technology side. And then another unique property of Hedera Hashgraph is the governance side as well. So what Manson Lehman set out to do on the governance side is how can you have a governance model which starts decentralized and over time ensures that it will be decentralized over time? So they came up with this model that is based on actually the Visa model. So when Visa was actually Bank Americard, this chap called D. Hawk was brought in to figure out how to get um, you know, banks cooperating with one another. And he came up with this model where the banks themselves would run the network. They would all agree on how to run the network and have this thing called Visa, which is the whole payment network and payment system. But then they could commercialize it however they wanted but they would all have to run the network together. So the Hedera governing model is you have this large group of global organizations, very you know, well-known brand names that come together. They run the nodes, the initial set of nodes on the network. They govern the code base of the network and they guarantee that the network itself will not split into other networks and um, they are decentralized uh, in industry so it's not dominated by one industry they're decentralized in geography so they span six continents and they are decentralized in time so they are actually term limited where they can only serve two consecutive three-year terms and then they have to leave the council and this way, no one can consolidate power over time and then become a bad actor. Beautiful. So it's it's the technology and the governance which really make Hedera unique. Beautiful, beautiful. All right. So in regards to the community itself, the Hedera community, that's what got me really fascinated with Hedera. I mean, there's so many blockchains out there. It's It's like a tornado of crypto but hedera has been one of those uh platforms services out there that is the is within the eye of the tornado of the hurricane right it's such a beautiful piece of technology that 
the community and I and I I'm pretty much connected with a lot of blockchain uh, platforms out there and it's so amazing that the Hedera community has come together and is just driving this spearheading this piece of technology way ahead it's so unbelievable everyone's super excited about this uh, and so I want to ask you Christian what is coming out for the near future with the Hedera Hashgraph platform? Yes, so um, we are iterating on the platform, you know, very, very quickly. And when we launched in uh, September 2019, there were three core services at the time. One was a smart contract service that was based on the Solidity programming language from Ethereum. Uh, we had a cryptocurrency service which used our uh, native cryptocurrency HBAR, uh, where you can do real-time payments, micropayments, things like that. And then we had a file service where you can store files in a distributed manner. Very quickly, we saw that actually people were using the speed and low latency of the cryptocurrency service to do interesting things. And so uh, based off of that, we brought to market something called the Hedera Consensus Service. And the Hedera Consensus Service is a service where you can use the consensus properties of Hashgraph and build your own services, applications. You can take a private network and plug into a public network and get public trust. You can you know, do some amazing things with um, IoT devices because you get their speed and you know, high throughput, low latency. Then, um, because Hashgraph is so fast and so cheap, uh, the next wave was people wanting to tokenize assets. And sure, you could do that with a smart contract, but smart contracts tend to be expensive, as you see on platforms like Ethereum, and they tend to be slow, as you see on other platforms. So what we did is we built uh, functionality at the, um, the Hashgraph level, at the, at the consensus level, which allows you to mint tokens very quickly. You can trade those tokens very cheaply and very fast. So what you're going to see us come out with is additional functionality that really complement those two services. There is, you know, since launching the Hedera token service, um, organizations that are building on Hedera want more uh, capability and programmability with non-fungible tokens, for example. So there's a lot of energy being put in from the community into building out two ways to do non-fungible tokens. One is at the layer one, uh, so at that native hash graph uh, level. And the other is actually using that Hedera consensus service as a layer two to do um, non-fungible tokens as well. So with layer two, you know, you sacrifice some of the uh, attributes of layer one where you get all of the trust of those nodes. You have to run your own sort of um, network, private network nodes to run some of that logic, but you can do that and you can do that very cheaply um, so you're going to see us with non-fungible tokens coming out with a lot of functionality there. The other thing that we're excited about is um, there. You know, we're, we're going to be launching a uh, piece of functionality called scheduled transactions, where you can actually 
have multiple signers sign a transaction for a time in the future. So let's say you want to uh, make sure that um, you all submit a transaction before a tax deadline, for example, on you know April 10th, 2022, at you know, midnight to make sure you know business taxes are paid. You can all sign that transaction in advance and then on that date and time uh, it will just you know go through. And so um, you know that's a very cool piece of functionality. The other thing that we're putting a lot of uh, energy and, and um, activity into are this notion of state proofs. And state proofs are something that Lehman has talked a lot about. So in a traditional blockchain system, uh, how do you know uh, that a transaction happened at that period in the past? You actually have to go and run all the transactions and crunch through. And you know, there's a lot of computational effort to replay the history of the blockchain, but you can find that transaction. With a state proof, it's essentially like taking a snapshot in time of the state of the ledger and um, you know, validating that that snapshot is absolutely true. Then you know, if you need to go to, let's say, a, into a court of law and prove that a transaction happened at that moment in time and the balance was this and it went through that and the network came to consensus, you can have this state proof. Um, so that's some of the stuff that we're working on. The other thing that's always constant is making the network easier and easier to develop against. Um, so that's just constant improvements. All right. So my, my question I want to ask you is, is it's, still, it's a new platform. Are there career opportunities for developers to come in and start working on uh, Hedera? Absolutely. Yes. Great question. So um, we all of the services code is open source and available on GitHub. And we have just like Ethereum has uh, Ethereum improvement proposals. We have Hedera improvement proposals. And this is an opportunity for people in the community to uh develop ideas, submit those ideas, flesh them out. Those ideas then go to the technical committee that's comprised of some of the council members. They review those Hedera improvement proposals and then prioritize them as part of the roadmap. And you know what we want to see happen is the person or people that came up with that idea actually develop that idea and deploy that idea and uh, that that then gets incorporated into the code base. And I'd say we're early on in that journey, but um, we're starting to see some really good traction there. And you know, if you're a developer interested in either traditional blockchain technology or hashgraph technology, you know, come and check it out. And, you know, there's probably ideas that you're going to have, which will really help just accelerate the development of the network overall. So continue on with that question. Uh, what language code do you have or that you're using to work on Hedera? Because I saw actually a handful, actually, I'll let you answer that. Yeah, so the actual uh, Hashgraph, code is written in Java. But 
you do not have to be a Java developer to work on Hashgraph. We have SDKs in multiple languages. So we have JavaScript, uh, Go.net, uh, a Java one, obviously. Uh, I think there's Rust. So, you know, the beautiful thing about uh, Hedera is that, and, and this really goes to the ease of use um, aspect of it, is we want to abstract away a lot of the uh, actual complexities of building on a distributed ledger technology into this SDK layer. So there's a lot of logic that goes into that. So if there's a if there's a uh, language that you use that is not currently supported in an SDK, you can build that SDK and make it available to the community and see you know if you gain traction and things like that. So um, there's tons of opportunity, and I'd say it really doesn't matter what language you program in, uh, you're going to be able to contribute to the project. So I'm expecting that a lot of people from the Ethereum community, Ethereum developers, are going to be migrating over to Hedera just because it's so affordable and so yeah. easy to use. You can literally just copy and paste someone's uh, EIP protocol from over there and move it over to Hedera and just do the, a minor tweaks to it and use it for Hedera. Is that correct? Yes, absolutely. Um you know, we do still have the uh, smart contract service that if you want to port a smart contract from Ethereum directly to Hedera, you can do that with no code change. But if you want to reimagine how, let's say you've written something on Ethereum, and like you said, it's expensive and it's, you know, slow, and you want to take advantage of the attributes of Hedera, then you can reimagine, oh, if I had a redo on this architecture, you know, how would I do it differently? And we're actually seeing, um, you know, the begin. I wouldn't say it's a tsunami yet, but it's it's a wave of you know businesses that want to take advantage of the high throughput, low latency, and low cost. Because um, another thing that we, you know, really our governing council um, led the way here. Uh, they are large enterprises. When they budget software use, it has to be predictable. So instead of pegging our transaction fees to the native currency HBAR, the governing council, the CoinCom, Coin Committee, it's called, said, no, we're going to actually peg the transaction fee to the dollar and then you just pay in HBAR whatever the dollar equivalent is. So in this way, you have incredibly predictable transaction fees. So if you're a developer on one of these uh, blockchain technologies today where your gas fees can you know, balloon and you want to, let's say you want to transact something at you know, $10, but it's costing you $80 in transaction fees, the economics just don't make sense. So that has been a big impetus for why people are looking at Hedera. Absolutely. Could my okay. now could micropayments be utilized on Hedera? Like, let's say you wanted to charge a fraction of a penny for something. Absolutely. So the lowest cost of a transaction on Hedera is for a uh, Hedera consensus service message, um, and 
that costs 0. 0.0001, uh, so a hundredth of a penny, that is, a hundredth of and, a cent. So that'll always be that? Um, if it won't always be that, it won't be a lot more of that because the thinking behind the pricing is really on the uh, computational um, side of things. Like how much computational power does it take to do this? And because of the efficiencies of Hashgraph, a Hedera consensus message just doesn't take a lot of computational uh, power. So you're not paying a lot for that. So I can't say it will always be that, but it's hard to, for me to imagine that it would be a lot more than that. Um, and if we did change the pricing, then you as a developer get a lot of advance notice that that change is going to be made as well. Um, so, so we have a calculator on the website, actually. If you go uh, to network, um, there's actually a fee estimator. And you can play around with that and see what your application costs would be for different types of transactions. That's cool. It's actually really cool. Now, can you walk us through what specifically would have to happen for the transaction prices to increase? Yes, actually, we have just posted. Uh, what a timely question, Mike. Uh, <laughs> just. <laughs> um, just today or yesterday, I don't know, all the days blend in together, but we did actually make a fee change. So um, it was um, it was 0 0.001 cent to create a, an account on Hedera. And what we have seen is over time, um, you know, bots will be set up where they just create, you know, tons of accounts. So uh, that takes up additional storage on the ledger and you have this sort of tragedy of the commons, right? If something is too cheap, right. people take advantage of it. So what happened was, um, you know, some staff at Hedera monitoring this, obviously, they saw this behavior happen a few times. Um, they put together a proposal. They take that to the coin committee, which is uh, comprised of some of those council members. And um, they put a proposal together to make it 005 um, cents instead of 001 cent. And then the coin committee approves that. We notify uh, on the testnet all the developers that this change is going to happen so they can change their um, code accordingly, and then it gets deployed to production. So, you know, never any surprises is what we want uh, for our developer team. So, Christian, I have a follow-up question on uh, fees. As you can see in the, uh, the screen here, there's three different types of fees here. There's a service fee, there's a network, network fee, and a node fee. Uh, how is that distributed uh, among the community? in these three different categories? Is it broken down by... Yes. Yeah, so, so as a developer, you pay a single API. You do not have to worry about who am I paying. It's just, you know, a single payment. On the back end, there is a, uh, you know, small fee 
and, and it really depends on the tape, type of API call that you're doing just for accessing that service. That's the, the service fee. There's a small fee which goes to the overall um, network as well. And then in order, so right now we have council members, these, these global organizations running the nodes on the network. Um, they need to be compensated for running nodes. And in the future, there are two additional phases. We will do permissioned nodes where companies who aren't these global organizations can run nodes on the network. And then the next phase after that, like phase three, is permissionless nodes where anyone can join, drop from the network at any time. And so node fees are the incentive in order for people to um, you know, run nodes. So those are the three types of fees. Breaking down like the percentage, I can't do in, in real time because it's a bit complex, but uh, th those are the That's three cool. types. So for the, node, say for the node validators that are bringing in the most HBAR, what are the hardware specifications for that? Yeah, so on our GitHub, um, if you, I'll, I can actually find it and just drop in the link. We have the current uh, hardware requirements for running a node. Um, and these will change over time. So these don't factor in things like GPU today. Um, but, uh, you know, as because honestly, we don't need that. Uh, Hashgraph is so fast as it is, we don't need that additional power today. But, um, you know, in the future, when we do, we can just uh, change that. So let me drop in the reference configuration right here. And you can take a look. How do I do that here? Time. Um, Send me the link and I'll uh, I'll share it. Oh, I was going to put it YouTube stream. I put it in the YouTube stream. Great idea. Yeah, here we go. Perfect. Yes. Now, uh, backtracking a little bit, when you were talking about the gossip system, is that kind of like a swarm? Same same principle as a swarm network. Uh, I'm not so familiar with that, so I can't. Um, I, I can't really, you know, talk to that specifically, but uh, gossip, a gossip protocol itself is incredibly common in blockchain technologies or even distributed databases. It is the way that a node learns something from another node. What makes it unique are these two additional properties that you um, you also know who told you that information and when they told it to you. And that's what makes Hashgraph gossip about gossip unique. Yeah, that node tracing is a really cool feature that I didn't even think about until right now. That's definitely a game changer. What, what I want to know is it doesn't use blockchain, right? Uh, Hedera doesn't use any blo blockchain per se. Where is all this data being stored? Ah, fantastic. So um, the data itself, so the architecture is the hash graph is um, the history of who talked to whom, who you learned it from, when you learned it. Um, that, that's hash graph. 
the data uh, is actually stored in what we call mirror nodes. So mirror nodes watch everything that's happening on the mainnet, and you choose what you want to store. So Hedera has a mirror node that you can subscribe to. It's available through Google Cloud as like a one-click deploy, or it's available through um, AWS as well. Um, and then we have community mirror node set up that you know store the history as well. But the beautiful thing is, if you're running an application, you don't want to store everyone's history. You want to store your history of your application and serve that up to your customers. And so this architecture allows you to do that by running a mirror node. And then you have your uh, customers subscribe to your mirror node, and they can validate that mirror node against the mainnet. And then when we have state proofs that, um, well, we do have state proof alpha today, but when we have full state proofs, that provides additional trust of um, the network as well. So the architecture is almost the exact opposite of a blockchain. So what you see blockchains do, blockchains store all of the data on the chain and they're starting to move the consensus operations away from the history so that they can run much faster and then have these roll-ups and things like that. Um, and with the flip side, we run all the consensus at this layer one, which is super duper fast and give you the choice of what you want to store, where you want to store it. So if, if I wanted to, now let's move forward. If I wanted to start up a company using Hedera and all the data is very, very sensitive information, can I make my own node private and just use uh, the hash graph just for the gossiping purposes to maintain the the data structure and the reliability of, of uh, re re uh, returning that data back to either my customers or myself? Yes, absolutely. That is one of the most common architectural patterns that we see today. So we just announced, um, well, yet yesterday, day before, we announced Shinhan Bank, which is a really large bank in Korea. They're looking at central bank digital currencies. Last month, we announced uh, Standard Bank, which is the largest bank in South Africa. They're looking at... Um, you know, using Hedera and central bank digital currency. Uh, and that architecture that you just talked about is exactly why they're so excited about Hedera, because they can set up, and Standard Bank actually did a webinar recently with Hedera and IBM, where they talk about this architecture. They can run a private permissioned network where all of that data is locked in their own permission network. It's all encrypted. You know, no one else from the outside world can see it. Completely locked down, can do anything they want to it. And use Hedera consensus service for public um, consensus, public trust, fair ordering of these transactions so that you get this best of both worlds where you get the 
a fine-grained control of a private network or even a centralized database with the visibility and trust and transparency of a public network using the Hedera consensus algorithm. There isn't another network that has an architecture like that, which is why you're seeing uh, enterprises adopt Hedera so that it can really operate in this architectural pattern. All right. So Interesting. I was reading, I was reading uh, in regards to the nodes in the gossiping system that there is no such thing as 100% consensus, that there is a point uh, within the activity of gossip that there might be some nodes that will disagree with the overall uh, consensus. Now, from my understanding, Hedera, the overall, the, the overall idea of hash graphing is having all these nodes come to a consensus regardless if there's just this handful of nodes that don't agree and the overall consensus will determine that what's been pushed through through the uh, the hash graph is to be absolutely true. Now, is it possible to have that opposite effect where there's more bad nodes than good nodes? You could have more bad nodes than good nodes and this is why um, okay, so just a little truth-telling. Any blockchain operates under a one-third principle. If you have one-third plus one know of the nodes as malicious actors, then the whole network is unfeasible. Same for Hedera Hashgraph, by the way. Um, so you need that two-thirds of nodes to be honest actors come to consensus. And I think that's exactly what, what you're driving at. Where Manson Lehman uh, thought about, okay, we want this to be trusted by enterprises. We want real businesses solving real business problems, building real applications on the network. How do we foster that trust? You can't run the risk of having you know, lots of bad actors. So we bootstrapped trust by having this professional council of large organizations that they would be, they're not going to do something to undermine their own brand. They're not going to do something to um, act against their own self-interests. So you can pretty much bet that 100% of those nodes are honest. And then as we add these other phases, we bootstrap trust to the degree and we then have this proof of stake model where you actually have to have stake of HBARs in order to run these nodes. So it's a real proof of stake system that will keep these nodes honest. And of course, you'll have the odd bad actor here and there. Absolutely, that's going to happen. But as we scale, when I talked about setting off with decentralization as the initial premise, but ensuring it becomes, you know, as decentralized or more decentralized over time, that's the approach that we're taking to that. All right, so in order to be a node, you need to stake your HBAR, correct? Correct. When we reach these um, permissioned community nodes, you will have to, um, because your, your consensus weighting in the system is based off of the number of HBARs that are staked to you. So you want to appeal to people to, you know, stake their H bars to your node so that you can, you know, participate in overall consensus. What is the minimum, and then, what is the, what is the minimum requirement to stake? 
So because we're not in that phase yet, we have not published any of those requirements yet. Um, so hard, hard to say right now. We're still in that you know, professional council members running the initial nodes okay, so in the network. Public right now. So you are open to build on it. You don't have to tell anyone that you're building on it, using it in any way. But run a node, you cannot do that today. You can run a mirror node, no problem. You can run a mirror node. You can have you can serve up interesting data. You can have people subscribe to your mirror node, pay you for that access, no problem at all. But an actual mainnet consensus node, you know what you think of as a validator node in other networks, you cannot run that today. So if um, a small business wanted to make their own, you know, closed node to make uh, digitally scarce assets for trading and minting amongst itself, what would it take to get that to happen? So they would run their own nodes. These are called like business logic nodes. You know, you might use something like Hyperledger Fabric or R3 Corda. And, you know, you as a, as a small business consortium, you'd say, hey, you know, let's let's actually all set up our nodes and let's store the data and the business logic in this application layer, this application network. And then we'll have Hedera do all the consensus operations and the ordering of these transactions. So actually, if your AppNet nodes are untrustworthy with one another, it actually doesn't matter um, because you're inheriting the trust from Hedera, the trust of consensus itself. So it's, that's the architectural pattern that I was talking about. Um, today, when you build a consortium with a permissioned uh, blockchain network uh, like Hyperledger Fabric, before Hedera came along, you all actually have to run the, this business logic, and you also have to run consensus nodes as well. And... If someone leaves the consortium, then that's really painful because now you, how do you remove one of these consensus nodes? If someone joins the consortium, how do you add a consensus node? So by offloading consensus to this public network with Hedera, you just have to worry about running the business logic. And sure, you have to trust that you know people are going to store that data correctly. They, you know, they're not going to have security right. links, and you know, but it's a different, it's a different kind of trust from the actual consensus. That's really cool. There's a question from the community, from the uh, Hedera community. They, they're asking that um, I believe. I'm, I'm just going to read this. It says, "I believe Lehman said at one point a node can be ran on a cell phone." Do you know anything about that? I haven't heard about that, but it's, it's curious. I'm kind of interested in that. Yes. So um, what that talks about is the actual hash graph um, SDK. So not in a public ledger mainnet consensus node. But if you wanted to run hash graph, you can run hash graph on a Raspberry Pi, on your cell phone. It's so computationally lightweight that you know you, you can run that. And you can actually go to um, Swirls, which is the 
company Lehman um, co-founded Swords, and that's the IP holder of Hashgraph. You can download um, the Swords SDK, and you can run that on a Raspberry Pi. That is very different from running a mainnet node, which in, in addition to having Hashgraph, has all of this services logic on top of it as well that's much more computationally intense than just Hashgraph. So when he talks about running on a phone, he's specifically talking about the Hashgraph consensus algorithm itself. Interesting. Now, you, you said that uh, we, we're not to the point where the uh, nodes are open to the public, but you, the community does have the opportunity to open up a mirror node and utilize that now that's correct yes now i'm one all about trying to earn some more h bar now can i earn h bar having a mirror node uh not yet so um you know it may be in the future i can't share any plans but for um you know for running different types of nodes Oh, because one, one of the big things we didn't talk about is like a validator bridge network between other blockchains and Hedera. So in order to incentivize people to run a bridge, so that type of nodes, um, you know, there most likely will be some sort of incentive to do so. But today, there is no way to earn HBAR in... Um, running a mirror node where you're earning it from the Hedera treasury, you could offer up services running a mirror node and have people subscribe to them and you could accept payment in HBAR, not a problem. But that would be your own sort of business setup that you'd look to do that with. Now, going by memory, I believe Hedera was, uh, was funded by an ICO, correct? Uh, we did not do an ICO. We did called a um, SAFT, which is a simple wow. agreement for future tokens. So it was a Reg D offering, so SEC compliant, you know, actually filed with the SEC, where you basically say, we are only going to take money, investment from accredited investors. And in order to, uh, you know, buy into, we had three rounds of funding, you had to be an accredited investor. And you were buying just this promise of getting H bars at some point in the future. Um, so obviously, you know, high risk, um, and you know, all done in a very compliant way. And pe people do from time to time say, "Oh, you did an ICO," but it, it was not an ICO. It was this thing called a SAFT, which isn't very well known. You know, the ICO craze mm -hmm. doing it, and we raised money during that period. It was just a very different investment vehicle from an ICO. Right. Now, another question from the community, which I'm going to have to vouch for as well, is that I just recently heard about Hedera, and Hedera has been out for a few years. And it's something that apparently has not really been worked on uh, from the Hedera community to really get marketing out there about Hedera. Trust me, there's a lot of people out there that don't know what Hedera Hashgraph is. Never heard of it. Literally, I heard about it just a few months ago, like around the beginning of the year. And once I looked into it, I go, wow, this is an amazing piece of technology. I'm surprised I have not heard about this. It never came onto my radar at all. What are you guys yeah. doing to really get 
uh, Hedera out there in the public's eye? Yeah, so that's a great question. So we market very differently from every other network out there. You will never hear us HBAR itself. So we don't talk about HBAR except in the context of what HBAR is used for on the Hedera network, which is currently to pay for the network services and also to, um, in the future, to secure the network, you know, maintain the safety um, of the entire network through this proxy staking model, this proof of stake model. So most other projects talk about their actual cryptocurrency. And that's where you see a lot of uh, influencers getting excited and talking about what we do from a marketing is we always bear in mind that we are the representatives of these global brands. And so we are very careful when it comes to how we represent Hedera, what we talk about Hedera. So what we market are the use cases being built and deployed on Hedera. And that is a very slow, methodical, enterprise software approach, but it pays off in spades over time. So as you just talked about, you you today, John and Mike, you can't run a node on Hedera. So you can't earn HBARs for running a node. That's unlike other blockchain platforms where you can spin up a node and start earning their cryptocurrency. You can't stake your HBARs today and, re- and earn a return. So the kinds of things that other blockchain networks really market, you know, buy this coin, put it in your wallet, earn this reward, run this node, earn this reward. That's fantastic. That gets the retail investor super duper excited. What I would argue is when we turn that on in the future, people will be like, wow, you have this thing now staking and uh, I can run a node that I can do on every other platform. Great. But wow, you have hundreds of real use cases running on your network with these big names. Um, I would say it's going to be harder for other blockchain networks to get that kind of adoption than it is for us to, in the future, flip to the, the kind of marketing that maybe you see from other blockchain networks. So this is a slow, methodical approach. It's very careful, but it you know, I think it's already starting to pay off. Like we, this year, we've hit an, an awareness curve across social channels and engagement that we didn't have last year. And, you know, I think that will continue to go up. And then when we have that story for the retail investor, um, then I think it's going to get very exciting. Christian, I want to play the devil's advocate for a moment. Let's say that, uh, first of all, the nodes are private and locked. Nobody can get in and tamper with that, right? Those are locked. It's only to a select few. And these are mainly enterprises heavily invested in Hedera. Obviously, they have a lot of money in Hedera. Therefore, they're not going to do anything wrong. 
right? They're not going to try to uh, be a bad note per se, right? They don't have money in Hedera. Everything else you're saying is is true. Um, I mean, everyone locks their node software, though. If you're running a node on any other blockchain platform, you don't want someone to be able to hack into that node. But right now, what you're saying is absolutely true, that the council members themselves are the only ones running those nodes. That is absolutely true. Well, you said something there that uh, caught my attention. You said that they're not monetarily invested in Hedera. Why is that? And what's the benefit of them being part of Hedera? Obviously, you, being a node uh, gives them a lot of features, correct? I guess that's that would be the benefit. Yes. Yeah, so um, they are, you know, these are companies that earn billions of dollars of revenue. Um, so there's no monetary incentive that we could give them that would be appealing enough to join the governing council. They joined the governing council uh, because uh, they believe in the model and they're interested in the technology itself about how that technology could be leveraged by their business to unlock the next billion dollars of revenue. That's what they're interested in and learning from their peers, you know, networking with each other, understanding how can you adopt this technology? What lines of business can you um, you know, spin out out of this? How do you reduce your bottom line? Like in a lot of respects, it's it's enterprise software. You know, how do we use this thing? And uh, that that's what's really exciting. Interesting. I, that's that's amazing. That's so amazing that they're utilizing. They're actually utilizing the technology. They're not just bag holders. They're actually using it, which is another big amazing thing. That's awesome. I, I'm so just mind blown about that. Uh, but continuing on, I, so I was thinking, since these nodes are private. Let's say, for example, I want to create a product and I want to sell music. Somebody that's very underground and I'm selling, uh, let's see, I'm selling techno, right? But the council doesn't agree with my music because... They no, no. Okay. So, yeah, this is great. Great question, by the way. Let me, let me clear this up. Please. So... The Hedera Governing Council, they just run the nodes. You can use those nodes, access those nodes. The council can't shut down your application. They have no visibility into your application. You call the mainnet. You code against the mainnet. You don't have to have a license to build on Hedera. You don't have to tell Hedera who you are. You build your application on Hedera. Away you go. It is a truly public network. The, the nodes are permissioned. That means who can actually run those nodes is permissioned. Who can use the network is completely public. So uh, I'm really glad you asked that That's question, amazing, actually, because I think I we get a lot of... A lot of uh, I'm mind blown about the response because it's just it just... I want to try to find a weakness. I want to find a, a point where Hedera <laughs> fails, right? And that some of the blockchain, I just want to go, ha ha, I found it. I found the weakness. But it seems like every angle and, and spending all this time looking into Hedera, there's just, it's just a beautiful piece of t technology without a doubt. I, I guess the only thing I could say is... I, the, the weaknesses, I, I think you've, you've dug in on the weaknesses, honestly. 
which is that today um, you, John, and you, Mike, cannot spin up a mainnet consensus node and participate in consensus and earn node fees for doing that work. And you know, if you're a blockchain purist, then that's bad. I mean, that is something that is a critique of Hedera, which is absolutely true. Now, it's only true for a moment in time for very good reason, but you have a lot of people that look at you and say, oh, because today you're not permissionless, I'm going to write you off because um, you know they don't buy into the whole journey that we're on. But when you talk about no weaknesses in uh, Hedera, that is because Manson Lehman have thought about how can this public network be trusted today, but how can it also be trusted in a hundred years' time? That's really where they think, and they're they're incredibly smart individuals. They worked on. You've seen uh, the movie War Games, right? Back in the eighties, you know. Yeah, they were, great movie. They, they were the two guys that worked on that war game system and actually did the early uh, advanced machine learning algorithms for that system. So they have thought about this in a way that, you know, maybe other blockchain platforms have. I, I don't know. I can comment, but I can certainly say that, you know, they have thought about how do we future proof this thing? When you know we're all dead and gone, Hedera is keeping on going, and people can bank on it. All right. So it sounds like you don't want to tell me what's going to be coming up in the near future. So I'm literally digging through your roadmap to see what I can. Find. Oh yeah, yeah. It's on there. I did tell you some. Stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the GitHub uh, repo is very active as well, so you can you can look on that. We talked about scheduled transactions. Yeah, yeah. We, we've we've talked to about this stuff interoperability integrations the the validator network there you go all good so all good stuff if, if someone wanted to make um a digitally scarce asset or an nft on hbar could they do that today yes and in like what's five the, minutes what's the minimum cost of that so it costs you one dollar to mint a token and then 0 0.001 sense to transact that token wow so if like let's just say i wanted to make my own node mint my own nft but the nft could never leave my node and i wouldn't want it to leave my node either way am i do i just have to pay that one transactional fee or do i still have to pay the dollar to someone else uh so you would mint your token on Hedera for a dollar, you know, it's Mike token. And then you, you know, you own that token. You have an account ID, zero, zero dot, you know, our account uh, methodology naming protocol is so easy. It's zero dot zero. And then a string of numbers that's like five digits long. That's your account ID. That's where your token is stored and it will always be stored. And, uh, if in the future you send that token to someone, that's when you would pay the 0 0.001 cents to send that token to someone else. Okay. Right, the, uh, the... Sorry, go ahead. 
So I was going to say, the use case I was thinking was possibly something like an IoT thing where some kind of media got uploaded as the asset and then just had to get moved somewhere like to another database, but still all remain in-house. Yes. Yeah, so with that, you'd use a combination of that Hedera consensus service and uh, Hedera token service. So you'd set up your application logic where you're, because it's expensive to store the media on Hedera. So you store your media on, um, you know, S3 or in a database or in a private permission network, and there are multiple copies of the media, and you hash that to Hedera consensus service. So um, the network knows exactly where the original content lies. And we have applications doing this today. I can talk about those in a minute so, if you want. And then, and then you mint your own token to then transact with that media however you want. Okay, so just to clarify, that hash that I'm uploading and it's moving around on the network, could that be an IPFS hash? Sure, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So there is a company um, today called uh, Numbers Protocol, um, and they work with Reuters. Um, there's actually on our website, if you look at the users and go to uh, Project Starling uh, for 180 days leading up to the last election and post the last election, even including the January 6th um, Capitol riots, uh, the Reuters photographer actually uh, took photos and those photos were uploaded to IPFS, just like you're saying. But as they stream from the camera and get uploaded, they're hashed using Hedera consensus service. So you have the trusted timestamps and fair ordering and media authentication coming from your device. And then the actual photos themselves are stored in IPFS. So the distributions in Hedera. Correct. For what you're yes. talking about? Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I, I would recommend going and reading up that case study. It's so cool. Um, and uh, they, they, you know, we, we did some stuff with Filecoin around it. And yeah, I, I imagine that will be, you know, IPFS is a, is a great system. I imagine a lot of uh, companies will use this same sort of architecture. Sounds like Hedera just has so much flexibility to grow. It's so unbelievable. Uh, you guys just crossed the was the one billion transaction. Was it yesterday or the day before yesterday? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, one a few days ago. Billion. Yeah. How is that even possible? How did you? That that blows my mind. <laughs> How is that even possible? So here here's here's a question, in regards to the gossiping protocol, gossiping system. Is it possible to get so many people on that particular network at that time? Because from my understanding, when the gossip is happening, it's happening through through uh, um, pieces of timestamps, per se, right? It, correct me if I'm wrong. Pieces of timestamps. Now, if this timestamp has so much uh, traffic, is it po possible to bottleneck that system? For example, a DDoS. So... Um... We currently are throttled to 10,000 transactions per second. 
And so you would need to generate an awful lot of transactions in order to uh, you know, DDoS the network. Uh, the Hashgraph consensus fast. algorithm is DDoS resistant itself, but the nodes, um, that is where you use these other mechanisms like pricing. So, you know, maybe if we saw um, the, uh, you know, it getting to 9,000 transactions per second. By the way, we're about 70 transactions per second right now. So you can see there's a lot, a lot of headroom in the system to, to grow. But, um, you know, if you, if you saw something like that, then the network itself would start to do some things to disincentivize people from DDoSing the network itself. Mike, you got anything? Because I mean, oh, actually, here's here's a question from the community. Um, the community wants some clarification in regards to Hedera being a centralized proof of stake because of the uh, the, the the governance. Yeah, yeah. So, they, yeah. So it it's absolutely a critique if you say um, we have twenty governing council members today, each of them running a node on the network. So, if your definition of centralization is you have a professional governing council that is in six continents, in you know. 10 different industries that, um, you know, have to be term limited. So they'll leave at some point. If you don't buy into that, that is a definition of decentralization and your only definition of decentralization is I need to see that anyone can run a node anywhere in the world, then, okay, I can't change your mind. What I would say is that, even something like Ethereum or Bitcoin, which have um, you know thousands and thousands of nodes, right? Tens of thousands of nodes. There are things called mining pools, and that is where you aggregate hashing power, and you know maybe you move that to where electricity is cheap, and so. You know, maybe there are five mining pools which have, you know, most of the hashing power. So if you look at it through that lens, 20 nodes, each running in a different data center by reputable companies on different continents, all dispersed around the world, you know, and, and no you one could argue that's more, that's more decentralized than those systems. But if you're a purist, and you're immersed in traditional blockchain, and I'm not knocking you for that way, I'm not, you know, there's a lot of education to be done, then, yeah, then we, we by my definition, we're more decentralized systems. Now, for the 20 validators, no one or company or entity owns more than one, right? That's absolutely true, yeah. And, and uh, they're weighted stake and consensus evenly distributed. So no one has more weighted consensus stake than anyone else. Interesting. 
those that are watching live on the YouTube, make sure if you have a question, leave a question. This is an amazing interview. I appreciate it. I appreciate it, Christian. Oh, we lost Mike. Awesome oh, Mike's back. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's fine. He'll <laughs> no problem. Back. I just he'll drop out. Yeah, sorry about that. Christian, I will have to drop for dinner in like 10 minutes. Okay, we'll wrap this up in about 10 more. minutes. Uh, is there anything else that I have not brought up that you believe that should be discussed here now for the community out there? And keep in mind that this will be distributed in all around the globe because we are connected to the internet. Yeah, so let me take another critique um, just because you're, you're going to, you know, I, I, I want to be as uh, forthright as possible. Another critique we have is, um, so... At the very bottom of our stack is the Hashgraph consensus algorithm. On top of the Hashgraph consensus algorithm are the services layer, so Hedera consensus service and Hedera token service. Everything above the Hashgraph consensus algorithm is completely open source. You can do whatever you want with it, contribute to it, blah, 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 fork it, you know, whatever you want. The Hashgraph consensus algorithm itself is patented technology and it is something called open review so as a developer you can uh, take the hashgraph consensus algorithm code you can read it you can compile it you can check for bugs you can try and find security flaws but you cannot take that hashgraph consensus algorithm and build another public network that is underpinned by hashgraph so Hedera Hashgraph is the only public ledger built on Hashgraph. It will always be the only public ledger built on Hashgraph. Well, actually, when the patent expires in, I don't know when, you know, you could have others. But for the foreseeable future, it is the only one. And you have a lot of people that say, oh, because the consensus algorithm is patented, you know, I'm not going to build on you. Mm. What I would say to those people is there are very few people in the world with a developer skill set that ever need to touch a consensus algorithm. You're talking about, you know, very, very, very few people. So the code above it that's open source is really as a developer where you want to live. And people don't understand that all of that is open source in here completely open source under Apache 2 license, have at it. Um, and so you're talking about 95% of the code is open source and then 5% is open review. And um, yeah, I think that's worth saying. That's you didn't cool. ask me about patented technology. Mm, interesting. Now there is a gossip out there about Hedera that there might be some connection with a CBDC here pretty soon in the near future. Do you know anything about that? Uh, so, well, Standard Bank has talked very openly about um, their interest in central bank digital currency. That is not a secret. The Shinhan Bank announcements that we made a couple of days ago talked about their interest in central bank digital currency and running a pilot with LG uh, CNS, which is the services arm of LG. LG is also a council member of Hedera. 
So what I can't comment on at this time is Hedera's role in CBDC, but we have council members who are very interested in it and are council members. And, you know, what I would say to people is central banks around the world are all looking at this, but it isn't that you're going to wake up, you know, next year and have a digital currency running on a public ledger. There's a long way to go. You know, there are going to be pilots, proofs of concept, learning along the way. Central banks are going to move very methodically, very slowly. But it's an exciting space. And uh, we're sponsoring Consensus this year. We're actually sponsoring the CBDC track at Consensus. And Ian Putter, um, who is the head of blockchain at Standard Bank, will be doing um, a presentation at Consensus around CBDC. So, yeah, that's, it's, it's exciting for that's sure. Awesome. That's awesome. Uh, there is one more question, the, and I, I don't know what this is about because I have not found anything on it. The Hedera Boost program, what's if you can explain what that is? Yeah, so the Hedera Boost program is a, a small incentive program for building your application on Hedera and uh, receiving some compensation for doing so. It's in a bit of a holding pattern right now because we're trying to figure out what the next iteration of that program is. Um, if you go to developers, it should be actually under devs, I think. Um, uh, anyway, yeah, there is a program called Boost, and you can reach out to us and see if there are you know, some incentives. It's not very much today. But again, we're re-examining all of our practices and seeing, you know, how we can do better in that regard. All right. So so far. And by the way, anyone watching, you can email me Christian at Hedera.com. Super easy. I won't have all the answers, but I can plug you in with people that do. On Twitter, I'm pretty responsive at Chaska, um, like this name here in Discord. And, uh, you know, I, I try to be pretty responsive as well there. Awesome, Christian. Thank you. Thank you for being on the podcast. We're going to go ahead and wrap it up there. I greatly appreciate all that you've given us right now. I hope to have you back very soon, well, maybe about a month from now, just to give us a fresh update of what's going on <laughs> on Hedera. Sure. I'm sure you're a busy man, but I'm very curious. And I know Mike and I, we're going to continue to dig into Hedera and start working on some dApps. I'm sure, we, I'm sure that's what we're going to do because we like tinkering with stuff. So with that said, oh yeah, tinker, tinker away. You know, I, I'm so. Yeah. You know, we're in we're in an education phase. Yeah. Um, I submitted my uh, my first hit, so I'm really excited awesome. to see where that goes. <laughs> Very cool. Very cool. All right, Christian. Um, well, if you don't hit back on it, you just ping me and I'll chase you. So, What's the uh, usual on. turnover time on that? Um. So I know our developers watch it very closely, so you should. See Actually, if you joined our Discord channel, um, our developers are really responsive there, and you can just flag that you submitted this HIP and ask for an update on it. Um, because it's in a prioritize, it depends really. If it's something super easy that's like a no-brainer thing, and TechCom meets every two weeks and reviews HIPs, you know, you're probably looking at you know 
depending on what the cycle is, at a pretty quick turnaround there. And if it's something meteor, then you know you might need additional buy-in from other community members, and that can take you know a bit longer. So they usually get um, at least brought up for development every two to three weeks. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Okay, that's really cool. Yeah. Nice. All right, one last question. Do you guys have a marketing department for IoT or a development department for IoT features? Uh, so we are a very sort of team, and we work with a lot of uh, development partners and systems integrators that want to build like industry-specific or vertical-specific functionality. So the answer is no. We're a general purpose platform. So we build functionality that can then be extended or utilized if you're if you know if you're interested in IoT micropayments and you have ideas around that, fantastic. Submit those. You know, is it a new service? Maybe. Is it an extension of another service? Probably. Um, is there something in the SDK that gets installed on the actual sensor itself that's doing things probably you know so there's a ton of scope for collaborating and participating there cool that's great awesome christian so we're gonna go ahead and wrap it up there i greatly appreciate it. i'm sure you have dinner waiting <laughs> i hope i hope so, <laughs> so if saying, not i gotta go cook it community greatly appreciates you being on the podcast and it's not this is your community they came to see you without a doubt and the one thing that they really want from you is to have more marketing. They want more information of what's going on. They really appreciate you being on, on, on the podcast and doing this for them. Because this you did this for them. You're not doing this for me at all. We're, we're sharing crypto and blockchain knowledge, even though this is not blockchain. We're sharing this information to the world, and hopefully they understand a little bit more. And they, they are. They are, without a doubt. And it's all because of you, Christian. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you very much. Yeah. Um, yes, there's, there's so much to tell. And, uh, you know, we're constantly looking for ways and avenues to, so thank you for having me. Really appreciate it. Yeah. Should definitely have a follow-up episode. Absolutely. Absolutely. So yeah, this, happy this, to come on anytime. This was just, thank a, you very this much. Was just an intro. So if you want, reach out to the community, ask them if they, if they want you to come back uh, on the podcast and talk some more. I, I would definitely have you back on without a doubt. I'm sure we're going to have a lot more questions because they're starting to roll in now, but we're going to go ahead and wrap it up and save those questions for the next time. So with that said, Awesome. Sats and hodl. Adios. Thank, thank you very much.